Chapter Six of Framley Parsonage by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter Six: Mister Harold Smith's Lecture. On the whole, the party at Caldicott's was very pleasant, and the time passed away quickly enough. Mr. Robart's chief friend there, independently of Mr. Sowerby, was Miss Dunstable, who seemed to take a great fancy to him, whereas she was not very accessible to the blandishments of Mr. Supplehouse, nor more specially courteous even to her host than good manners required of her. But then Mr. Supplehouse and Mr. Sowerby were both bachelors, while Mark Robarts was a married man with mr sowerby robarts had more than one communication respecting lord lufton and his affairs which he would willingly have avoided had it been possible sowerby was one of those men who are always mixing up business with pleasure and who have usually some scheme in their mind which requires forwarding men of this class have as a rule no daily work no regular routine of labour but it may be doubted whether they do not toil much more incessantly than those who have lufton is so dilatory mr sowerby said why did he not arrange this at once when he promised it and then he is so afraid of that old woman at framley court well my dear fellow say what you will she is an old woman and she'll never be younger but do write to lufton and tell him that this delay is inconvenient to me he'll do anything for you i know mark said that he would write and indeed did do so but he did not at first like the tone of the conversation into which he was dragged it was very painful to him to hear lady lufton called an old woman and hardly less so to discuss the propriety of lord lufton's parting with his property this was irksome to him till habit made it easy but by degrees his feelings became less acute and he accustomed himself to his friend sowerby's mode of talking and then on the saturday afternoon they all went over to barchester harold smith during the last forty-eight hours had become crammed to overflowing with sarawak labuan new guinea and the salomon islands as is the case with all men labouring under temporary specialities he for the time had faith in nothing else and was not content that any one near him should have any other faith they called him viscount papua and baron borneo and his wife who headed the joke against him insisted on having her title miss dunstable swore that she would wed none but a south sea islander and to mark was offered the income and duties of bishop of spices nor did the proudy family set themselves against these little sarcastic quips with any overwhelming severity it is sweet to unbend oneself at the proper opportunity and this was the proper opportunity for mrs proudy's unbending no mortal can be seriously wise at all hours and in these happy hours did that usually wise mortal the bishop lay aside for a while his serious wisdom we think of dining at five to-morrow my lady papua said the facetious bishop 
will that suit his lordship and the affairs of state <laughs> and the good prelate laughed at the fun how pleasantly young men and women of fifty or thereabouts can joke and flirt and poke their fun about laughing and holding their sides dealing in little innuendos and rejoicing in nicknames when they have no mentors of twenty-five or thirty near them to keep them in order the vicar of framley might perhaps have been regarded as such a mentor were it not for that capability of adapting himself to the company immediately around him on which he so much piqued himself he therefore also talked to my lady papua and was jocose about the baron not altogether to the satisfaction of mr harold smith himself for mr harold smith was in earnest and did not quite relish these jocundities he had an idea that he could in about three months talk the british world into civilising new guinea and that the world of barsetshire would be made to go with him by one night's efforts he did not understand why others should be less serious and was inclined to resent somewhat stiffly the amenities of our friend mark we must not keep the baron waiting said mark as they were preparing to start for barchester i don't know what you mean by the baron sir said harold smith but perhaps the joke will be against you when you are getting up into your pulpit to-morrow and sending the hat round among the clodhoppers of caldicotts those who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones eh baron said miss dunstable mr robart's sermon will be too near akin to your lecture to allow of his laughing if we can do nothing towards instructing the outer world till it's done by the parsons said harold smith the outer world will have to wait a long time i fear nobody can do anything of that kind short of a member of parliament and a would-be minister whispered mrs harold and so they were all very pleasant together in spite of a little fencing with edge tools and at three o'clock the cortege of carriages started for barchester that of the bishop of course leading the way his lordship however was not in it mrs proudie i'm sure you'll let me go with you said miss dunstable at the last moment as she came down the big stone steps i want to hear the rest of that story about mr slope now this upset everything the bishop was to have gone with his wife mrs smith and mark robarts and mr sowerby had so arranged matters that he could have accompanied miss dunstable in his phaeton but no one ever dreamt of denying miss dunstable anything of course mark gave way but it ended in the bishop declaring that he had no special predilection for his own carriage which he did in compliance with a glance from his wife's eye then other changes of course followed and at last mr sowerby and harold smith were the joint occupants of the phaeton the poor lecturer as he seated himself made some remark such as those he had been making for the last two days for out of a full heart the mouth speaketh but he spoke to an impatient listener dash the south sea islanders said mr sowerby 
"'You'll have it all your own way in a few minutes, like a bull in a china shop. "'But for heaven's sake, let us have a little peace till that time comes.' "'It appeared that Mr. Sowerby's little plan of having Miss Dunstable for his companion "'was not quite insignificant, and indeed it may be said that but few of his little plans were so. "'At the present moment he flung himself back in the carriage and prepared for sleep. He could further no plan of his by a tete-a-tete conversation with his brother-in-law. And then Mrs. Proudie began her story about Mr. Slope, or rather recommenced it. She was very fond of talking about this gentleman, who had once been her pet chaplain but was now her bitterest foe, and in telling the story she had sometimes to whisper to Miss Dunstable, for there were one or two fie-fie little anecdotes about a married lady not altogether fit for young mr robart's ears but mrs harold smith insisted on having them out loud and miss dunstable would gratify that lady in spite of mrs proudie's winks what kissing her hand and he a clergyman said miss dunstable i did not think they ever did such things mr robarts still waters run deepest said mrs harold smith hush looked rather than spoke mrs proudie the grief of spirit which that bad man caused me nearly broke my heart and all the while you know he was courting and then mrs proudie whispered a name what the dean's wife shouted miss dunstable in a voice which made the coachman of the next carriage give a chuck to his horses as he overheard her the archdeacon's sister-in-law screamed mrs harold smith what might she not have attempted next said miss dunstable she wasn't the dean's wife then you know said mrs proudie explaining well you've a gay set in the chapter i must say said miss dunstable you ought to make one of them in barchester mr robarts only perhaps mrs robarts might not like it said mrs harold smith and then the schemes which he tried on with the bishop said mrs proudie it's all fair in love and war you know said miss dunstable but he little knew whom he had to deal with when he began that said mrs proudie the bishop was too many for him suggested mrs harold smith very maliciously if the bishop was not somebody else was and he was obliged to leave barchester in utter disgrace he has since married the wife of some tallow chandler the wife said miss dunstable what a man widow i mean but it's all one to him the gentleman was clearly born when venus was in the ascendant said mrs smith you clergymen usually are i believe mr robarts so that mrs proudie's carriage was by no means the dullest as they drove into barchester that day and by degrees our friend mark became accustomed to his companions and before they reached the palace he acknowledged to himself that miss dunstable was very good fun we cannot linger over the bishop's dinner though it was very good of its kind and as mr sowerby contrived to sit next to miss dunstable thereby overturning a little scheme made by mr supplehouse he again shone forth in unclouded good humour 
but mr harold smith became impatient immediately on the withdrawal of the cloth the lecture was to begin at seven and according to his watch that hour had already come he declared that sowerby and supplehouse were endeavouring to delay matters in order that the barchesterians might become vexed and impatient and so the bishop was not allowed to exercise his hospitality in true episcopal fashion you forget sowerby said supplehouse that the world here for the last fortnight has been looking forward to nothing else the world shall be gratified at once said mrs harold obeying a little nod from mrs proudie come my dear and she took hold of miss dunstable's arm don't let us keep barchester waiting we shall be ready in a quarter of an hour shall we not mrs proudie and so they sailed off and we shall have time for one glass of claret said the bishop there that's seven by the cathedral said harold smith jumping up from his chair as he heard the clock if the people have come it would not be right in me to keep them waiting and i shall go just one glass of claret mr smith and we'll be off said the bishop those women will keep me an hour said harold filling his glass and drinking it standing they do it on purpose he was thinking of his wife but it seemed to the bishop as though his guest were actually speaking of mrs proudie it was rather late when they all found themselves in the big room of the mechanics institute but i do not know whether this on the whole did them any harm most of mr smith's hearers excepting the party from the palace were barchester tradesmen with their wives and families and they waited not impatiently for the big people and then the lecture was gratis a fact which is always borne in mind by an englishman when he comes to reckon up and calculate the way in which he is treated when he pays his money then he takes his choice he may be impatient or not as he likes his sense of justice teaches him so much and in accordance with that sense he usually acts so the people on the benches rose graciously when the palace party entered the room seats for them had been kept in the front there were three armchairs which were filled after some little hesitation by the bishop mrs proudie and miss dunstable mrs smith positively declining to take one of them though as she admitted her rank as lady papua of the islands did give her some claim and this remark as it was made quite out loud reached mr smith's ears as he stood behind a little table on a small raised dais holding his white kid gloves and it annoyed him and rather put him out he did not like that joke about lady papua and then the others of the party sat upon a front bench covered with a red cloth we shall find this very hard and very narrow about the second hour said mr sowerby and mr smith on his dais again overheard the words and dashed his gloves down to the table he felt that all the room would hear it and there were one or two gentlemen on the second seat who shook hands with some of our party there was mr thorne of ullathorne a good-natured old bachelor whose residence was near enough to barchester to allow of his coming in without much personal inconvenience and next to him was mr harding 
an old clergyman of the chapter with whom mrs proudie shook hands very graciously making way for him to seat himself close behind her if he would so please but mr harding did not so please having paid his respects to the bishop he returned quietly to the side of his old friend mr thorne thereby angering mrs proudie as might easily be seen by her face and mr chadwick also was there the episcopal man of business for the diocese but he also adhered to the two gentlemen above named and now that the bishop and the ladies had taken their places mr harold smith re-lifted his gloves and again laid them down hummed three times distinctly and then began it was he said the most peculiar characteristic of the present era in the british islands that those who were high placed before the world in rank wealth and education were willing to come forward and give their time and knowledge without fee or reward for the advantage and amelioration of those who did not stand so high in the social scale and then he paused for a moment during which mrs smith remarked to miss dunstable that that was pretty well for a beginning and miss dunstable replied that as for herself she felt very grateful to rank wealth and education mr sowerby winked to mr supplehouse who opened his eyes very wide and shrugged his shoulders but the barchesterians took it all in good part and gave the lecturer the applause of their hands and feet and then well pleased he recommenced i do not make these remarks with reference to myself i hope he's not going to be modest said miss dunstable it will be quite new if he is replied mrs smith so much as to many noble and talented lords and members of the lower house who have lately from time to time devoted themselves to this good work and then he went through a long list of peers and members of parliament beginning of course with lord boanerges and ending with mr green walker a young gentleman who had lately been returned by his uncle's interest for the borough of crewe junction and had immediately made his entrance into public life by giving a lecture on the grammarians of the latin language as exemplified at eton school on the present occasion mr smith continued our object is to learn something as to those grand and magnificent islands which lie far away beyond the indies in the southern ocean the lands of which produce rich spices and glorious fruits and whose seas are embedded with pearls and corals patua and the philippines borneo and the moluccas my friends you are familiar with your maps and you know the track which the equator makes for itself through those distant oceans and then many heads were turned down and there was a rustle of leaves for not a few of those who stood not so high in the social scale 
had brought their maps with them and refreshed their memories as to the whereabouts of these wondrous islands and then mr smith also with a map in his hand and pointing occasionally to another large map which hung against the wall went into the geography of the matter we might have found that out from our atlases i think without coming all the way to barchester said that unsympathising helpmate mrs harold very cruelly most illogically too for there be so many things which we could find out ourselves by search but which we never do find out unless they be specially told us and why should not the latitude and longitude of labuan be one or rather two of these things and then when he had duly marked the path of the line through borneo celebes and gilolo through the macassar strait and the molucca passage mr harold smith rose to a higher flight but what said he avails all that god can give to man unless man will open his hand to receive the gift and what is this opening of the hand but the process of civilization yes my friends the process of civilization these south sea islanders have all that a kind providence can bestow on them but that all is as nothing without education that education and that civilization it is for you to bestow upon them yes my friends for you for you citizens of barchester as you are and then he paused again in order that the feet and hands might go to work the feet and hands did go to work during which mr smith took a slight drink of water he was now quite in his element and had got into the proper way of punching the table with his fists a few words dropping from mr sowerby did now and again find their way to his ears but the sound of his own voice had brought with it the accustomed charm and he ran on from platitude to truism and from truism back to platitude with an eloquence that was charming to himself civilization he exclaimed lifting up his eyes and hands to the ceiling oh civilization there will not be a chance for us now for the next hour and a half said mr supplehouse groaning harold smith cast one eye down at him but it immediately flew back to the ceiling oh civilization thou that ennoblest mankind and makest him equal to the gods what is like unto thee here mrs proudie showed evident signs of disapprobation which no doubt would have been shared by the bishop had not that worthy prelate been asleep but mr smith continued unobservant or at any rate regardless what is like unto thee thou art the irrigating stream which makest fertile the barren plain till thou comest all is dark and dreary 
but at thy advent the noontide sun shines out the earth gives forth her increase the deep bowels of the rocks render up their tribute forms which were dull and hideous become endowed with grace and beauty and vegetable existence rises to the scale of celestial life then too genius appears clad in a panoply of translucent armour grasping in his hand the whole terrestrial surface and making every rood of earth subservient to his purposes genius the child of civilization the mother of the arts the last little bit taken from the pedigree of progress had a great success and all barchester went to work with its hands and feet all barchester except that ill-natured aristocratic front row together with the three armchairs at the corner of it the aristocratic front row felt itself to be too intimate with civilization to care much about it and the three armchairs or rather that special one which contained mrs proudie considered that there was a certain heathenness a pagan sentimentality almost amounting to infidelity contained in the lecturer's remarks with which she a pillar of the church could not put up seated as she was now in public conclave it is to civilization that we must look continued mr harold smith descending from poetry to prose as a lecturer well knows how and thereby showing the value of both for any material progress in these islands and end to christianity shouted mrs proudie to the great amazement of the assembled people and to the thorough wakening of the bishop who jumping up in his chair at the sound of the well-known voice exclaimed certainly certainly here 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 said those on the benches who particularly belonged to mrs proudie's school of divinity in the city and among the voices was distinctly heard that of a new verger in whose behalf she had greatly interested herself oh yes christianity of course said harold smith upon whom the interruption did not seem to operate favourably christianity and sabbath day observance exclaimed mrs proudie who now that she had obtained the ear of the public seemed well inclined to keep it let us never forget that these islanders can never prosper unless they keep the sabbath holy poor mr smith having been so rudely dragged from his high horse was never able to mount it again and completed the lecture in a manner not at all comfortable to himself he had there on the table before him a huge bundle of statistics with which he had meant to convince the reason of his hearers after he had taken full possession of their feelings but they fell very dull and flat and at the moment when he was interrupted he was about to explain that that material progress to which he had alluded could not be attained without money 
and that it behoved them, the people of Barchester before him, to come forward with their purses like men and brothers. He did also attempt this, but from the moment of that fatal onslaught from the armchair it was clear to him and to every one else that Mrs. Proudie was now the hero of the hour. His time had gone by, and the people of Barchester did not care a straw for his appeal. From these causes the lecture was over full twenty minutes earlier than any one had expected, to the great delight of Messrs. Sowerby and Supplehouse, who on that evening moved and carried a vote of thanks to Mrs. Proudie, for they had gay doings yet before they went to their beds. "'Robots, here one moment,' Mr. Sowerby said, as they were standing at the door of the Mechanics' Institute. "'Don't you go off with Mr. and Mrs. Bishop.' we are going to have a little supper at the dragon of wantley and after what we have gone through upon my word we want it you can tell one of the palace servants to let you in mark considered the proposal wistfully he would fain have joined the supper party had he dared but he like many others of his cloth had the fear of mrs proudie before his eyes and a very merry supper they had poor mr harold smith was not the merriest of the party end of chapter 6 recording by nick whitley purley united kingdom